Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Rick Boofer, there you are. Hi, Pat. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Thanks for coming by. This is fantastic. My pleasure. Yeah, you know, we've known each other for so long and. And it's interesting, I made kind of a twist, uh, Rick, on the direction of the show. You know, I've had some really wonderful chefs, and I'm going to continue, like yourself, have, have people on that are fantastic. But I really want to uh, show the audience, people, you know, how to do different foods at home and how to cook at home. And you are the perfect, excellent guest for that, because that's what you do. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. So let's talk about the Black Sheep Bistro and the Black Sheep, the whole thing, your well, whole idea. Well, that was just kind of a fun phase of in our life. I always wanted to be, I, I, I actually wanted to be a marine biologist, but because of the marine science field being so full, I decided to get into the restaurant field and seafood is what got me into it. I just loved cooking seafood. Hmm. Food was always my passion anyway, and not so much the actual food items themselves, but the fact that it brought people together as a community. And whether that community was just a girl, which works, mm-hmm. or it was a lot of people, family and things like that, what was actually cooked was not as important as the fact that there was always something there to bring something to the table, to bring mm. people to the table and bring them around as a group. Mm. So for food, that was fun for me. Now, of course, coming from a, a French background, I had an aunt who was a fabulous chef, and she was just an incredible influence on me. When I got into the food, I started going with the French stuff, then I with the Spanish stuff and the Italian stuff, all the European stuff, and loved it all. Black Sheep Bistro gave us an opportunity to do all those cuisines with a name like Black Sheep, you can do anything you want as long as you do it a little bit differently. Definitely. And that's what we did. Mm. So we had a ball. We used to love going to Europe. I, start, of course, started at The Hobbit many, many years ago. That got me into the continental cuisine. Mm-hmm. Worked for people like Alan Greeley at the Golden Truffle. That completely whacked me out because now we could do something completely different. And so when the opportunity came along for a friend of mine who opened the Black Sheep in 1985, we bought it from him in 1989. Mm. Took it and ran. Went mostly to the coast and did mostly Mediterranean food because that was kind of what California was looking towards anyway. Gotcha, so. gotcha. Well, I've eaten there many times, and, and it's, it was amazing. I have a couple cool memories. I remember going to Black Sheep Bistro, and you said, Patrick, you got to come. I think it's tomorrow. Maybe it's Thursday. You do the huge paella oh, yeah. that was mm-hmm. out in the courtyard. Yep. And just around the rim of your courtyard at the restaurant, you had a lot of uh, uh, herbs growing. And you said, you grow these herbs not just to use but for, your, uh, for the neighbors too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool, very cool. So Black Sheep Bistro, and I know you had a lot of different things. You had like a little retail shop there too, yeah? We did. As time went on, the business behind us went out, and so we decided, well, let's open what we call a back door, Hmm. and we just did a little thing where we could sell. People liked our aioli, our confit of duck, and all kinds of things that they couldn't get at other places, and so we thought, well, let's just open up a little deli, Mm -hmm. have our sausages available, because we had this incredible sausage maker from Harbor City, Hmm. La Española. She just did an incredible job, Hmm. and so we made these available for people too mm-hmm. and it was it was successful but we did it more for fun than we did for anything else got you got you well, amazing you and diana your wife and partner uh, were the best hosts in the world when you go to your restaurant you didn't feel like you were in a restaurant you felt like i just went to your house which i've done many well, times i hope so yeah it was amazing atmosphere so you also have i don't know if you're still doing the black sheep uh Cooking club? or We do. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. The cooking club started because okay. when we sold the restaurant 10 years ago, our customers were very upset with us. Now, it, it was we were the kind of restaurant, if we were open, we were there. 
Both my wife and I were there. I only missed one night out of all the 23 years that we were in the restaurant. So I was there wow. every single night. If you came to my place, I saw you. I usually got to know you, especially if you came back. Mm. I cared what you ordered. I remembered what you ordered. I remembered what wine you had. And people appreciated that also. So they they appreciated the personal touch. So when we sold the restaurant, they said, you know what? We're really pissed at you. And so we said, okay, here's what we'll do. We will do what we did at the restaurant, but we're going to do it at your home. Mm. So you call me up and you say, you know what? I'm missing your lamb. I'm missing your canting palitos. I'm missing this, that, and the other thing. We will bring the goods in their raw state. Mm. And it's up to you and your family to come into the kitchen and cook with us. And we'll just have a ball doing it. And then you can sit down and do anything you want. Have well, your dinner, do whatever. Again, that's what makes you perfect uh, guest for t- to the show. Because, <laughs> you know, and we talked about this. Doing a podcast and, and telling people, you know, maybe a, a, a recipe or how to cook at home. It's not so easy when this is not visual. Exactly. That's why I will love to, towards the end, I'm going to refer people to, to go to your YouTube channel and start seeing your approach to food and how you actually make this, this all happens. And you had mentioned earlier too, Rick, I think you said that, it's not just about recipe following. It's about seeing and watching and following. So talk about that. Exactly. Well, when I learned to cook, I learned to cook by watching somebody else. And I am kind of the last of the generation where we didn't go to so-called cooking school. We went into the kitchens and we worked for the people of the cuisines we wanted to learn. So, I mean, if you read Jacques Papin's book, The Apprentice, this is exactly what he had to do. He went into the kitchens he learned from the chefs he wanted to learn from. I did the same thing. He did it in France. I did it in America. And so I had a background of working for all of the restaurants that I wanted to work for. One of the first ones, of course, being the Hobbit in Orange. And the reason why was because this was a nine-course dinner that you sat down, you had no choices, and you had nine different dishes from all over the world. It was just a lot of fun. I love that place. Yes, and it was a lot of fun. It now they've awesome. cut back to five to seven courses because in this day and age, people won't take the time to sit for nine courses anymore. I mean, it was a four and a half, five hour meal. Now it's cut down to about three, three and a half hours. Not quite as long. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. So, and then um, when you talk, I, I know you have an amazing cookbook and a, and a video where people actually follow you in the kitchen. Well, what we did, when we went to sell the restaurant, we knew a couple of years ahead of time when we were going to give our last uh, uh, notice for our lease, that we were going to renew our lease. And so what I did is I took a camera into the kitchen and I shot every single dish that we did. Mm. And that was kind of our going away gift to all of our customers. It's, it's almost, I almost wanted to say, I'm tired of cooking for you. You can cook it for yourself now. <laughs> but it was, just, it was just as a gift. And especially the kids, because had, I had about 192 kids that were consistent customers of the restaurant. Wow. And they would come into the kitchen and we'd shoot a little shot of chocolate mousse in their mouth and we'd show them how to do little things. And, and we had three-year-olds that, that mussels were their favorite dish, you Jeez. know, mussels with garlic parsley and things like that. Where do you go to that, where a kid's favorite dish is garlic mashed potatoes and confit of duck at five years old? No kidding. That's amazing. You gave me a wedding gift, your cookbook and the video, and I love it. And I love it. And then before coming on too, uh, I believe it's a Just Good Fun on YouTube. What I really like about your approach, and you really explain things in a different way. It's not like take two cups of flour uh, or or open a can of tomatoes. You say, you know, like in your approach to how much garlic to use or how much spice to use. It's completely different. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, for most people, what we when we tell them, and some people say, I don't like garlic. Well, well, don't use garlic. Use extra onions and maybe caramelize them a little bit more or use some spring onions or use something that has a little more characteristic to it. There are plenty of substitutions where if you're allergic to something, because we had to deal with allergies, or you don't like something, 
or you just want to add a little different taste to it. Perhaps you want a little more Greekish to a dish that calls for basil and oregano. Use a little more oregano in it, cut back on the basil. You want it a little more Italian, add a little more basil to it, cut back on the oregano. There's just all kinds of ways to tweak things to get them to where it's a flavor that you're going to enjoy yourselves or that your guests are looking for. That's amazing. That's perfect. But well, well said. That's awesome. So let's go ahead, Rick. Now, here's a challenge. We want you to talk about a really good dish. I believe I know which one it might be. And I want you to paint a picture for our listening audience on if they were to make this at home. Okay. Okay. So let's. So what's it called? Which okay. Dish? Well, we had a lamb was our specialty. If you have a restaurant called the Black Sheep and you don't do lamb, it, it's either got to be the best lamb you've ever had in your life or you don't do lamb at all. Oh, great we point. decided to have the best lamb. And so we searched all throughout the world to get all of the best cuts of lamb that we could. We, got, we used some uh, Australian cuts. We used some New Zealand cuts. We used some American cuts. We used all things. My favorite dish was a dish called Four Seasons. And it was not on the menu, but everybody knew they could order it. Hmm. And ba what it was based around was four different sauces. A garlic aioli, a larouille that was made with cayenne pepper, a tarragon aioli, and then a tomato and, oven, uh, a tomato and olive provencal. And all of those things represented one season, the garlic aioli being spring, the summer being the cayenne pepper, the fall being the tomato and olive provencal, and the winter being more of the green, minty, or tarragon characteristic. Wow. Okay. Perfect. So whatever you put on that was good. I don't care if they were scallops. I don't care if you wanted to use zucchini. I don't care whatever it was. When you use those four sauces together, it just created a dish that was so much fun. Hmm. To me, the favorite was our, our four seasons lamb. Okay. And we would use these prime lamb chops that came from Colorado that were just outrageously good. Now you can use the New Zealand stuff if you want something a little softer in, in lamb, not so lamb characteristic, a little mm -hmm. bit sweeter and a little bit more Zealand, uh, grass-fed, okay? So there's all kinds of ways that you can substitute this. Um, I, I've got some friends coming over for lunch uh, on Thursday, and we're going to do a seafood-lamb combination. We're going to give them giant scallops, the U10 scallops, on two of the sauces, and then two lamb chops on top of that. So it's wow. kind of a, you can, you can do anything you want with it. And that's what really kind of made it fun. Now, wait, Rick, I'm going to make a, a force of pause here. Okay. Wow. That's <laughs> crazy. That's amazing. Okay. Continue. But just fun. And, and, and making the sauces themselves, you can go as exotic as you want. You can make them all from scratch, which is what we recommend. And we show you how to do that in our cookbook and on our YouTube channel, The Black Sheep Cooking. But you can also just take mayonnaise and put a lot of garlic in there, and that's going to be your aioli sauce. Mm. Now add some cayenne pepper to it. That's going to be your La Ruya sauce. Chop up some fresh French or Spanish tarragon. Mince that up and add that. Now that's your tarragon sauce. Now the olive and tomato Provencal, basically what you're making is you're making a tomato marinara, and you're mm. adding a lot of olives and thyme to it to give that fall characteristic. Mm. But four very exotic sauces, if you want them to be, or simple sauces, if you want them to be. Mm, that's an amazing description. I'm, I'm thinking, of what, what, which one will I do next? I'm not quite <laughs> sure. So you've got some a great description of the sauces. Uh, so how do you? What's your approach to the lamb? What am I going to do with this now? I'm looking. I'm in the kitchen. I uh, what kind of a pan is best to sear? Or are you doing it on a grill? Or how do you like to? Do Usually it? for this dish, we're going to grill the lamb chops. Okay. Okay. We're going to bake or saute the lamb loin if we're going to use a lamb loin, depending on what. I mean, you, if you're going to do four seasons fish, say you mm -hmm. want to do salmon, you can either poach it or you can bake it in the oven or you can grill it. Okay. Okay. So it just, it depends on what your preference is. Once, again, once you have those four sauces, whatever you put on top of them is your favorite. That's 
that's what makes it fun. That makes you great sense. You can make sense. it anything you want it to be. Okay, so if you do a grill, like for in the kitchen, I have I don't have a barbecue grill mm -hmm. in the kitchen, but mm -hmm. I do have one of those grill pans. Are those okay to use? The grill sure, pan? why not? Yeah. Okay, so you what, probably smoke up your house a bit. But. It might, uh, and it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but that's the fun of it too. Let's make so a mess. You and I, are, I believe, are both in a lot of heat. So yeah. you get that pan pretty hot. Do you? Put the oil on the outside before you drop it onto the grill pan? or, or? I tend not to use okay. oil too much because okay. I season my pans well. I like to use plaque, uh, the, the black carbon steel pans. Okay. And mine are really well seasoned. So all I have to do is take my lamb chops, rub them with our chef's salt, a little okay. bit of herbs de Provence, okay. some fresh garlic on there, and drop them in a high heat. Wow. Boom. And Boom. just a couple minutes on each side. You want a medium rare at most in the, in the, uh, for me for the lamb chops. But again, depending on what you're using is going to determine how you're going to cook each of these items up. So let's say you've got guests coming over and you have, you're going to do six lamb chops, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe, or maybe eight. Can you make this in advance a little bit? When I do the dish, I do the four sauces around the outside of the plate. I do generally some garlic mashed potatoes in the center. And then I like to do either a cabbage with duck fat or Brussels sprouts with duck fat, or some sort of uh, 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 zucchini and uh, eggplant, uh, uh, what's the famous Provencal? I'm less completely Don't even losing look at me. I'm <laughs> but I'm losing it on this one. Ratatouille. Oh, you gotta do a ratatouille yeah, or something yeah, like that. Okay. Some sort of favorite vegetable in the center. Okay. Now you've got the four sauces around, so normally what we would do is we would do four lamb chops per person. Four shrimp per person, four whatever it is per person. Awesome. Okay, so you can do the sauces first. I mean, you can do all the, have okay. all the sauces done. You can have your potatoes sitting in a pan, warm on your on your um, uh, stove. You can have your vegetable ready to go. And so all you're going to do is at the last moment, you're either going to bake those lamb chops, you're going to roast those lamb chops, you're going to grill those lamb chops, or your salmon, or whatever it happens to be that you're going to put on the sauces. So yes, you can have most of it done. You have 90% of it done okay. before you even get your guests even get there. That's awesome. Now, I'm not going to let you go forward without mentioning that garlic mashed potato. I know that every time <laughs> when I go to a restaurant and they give you the option of garlic mashed potatoes, I just lean, I love garlic mashed potatoes. Oh, now, yeah. so let's talk about that a little bit because I know how I like to make them. Okay. Um, walk us through your garlic mashed potatoes. Well, it just depends on who I'm serving for and what their dietary restrictions are. Okay. I love, uh, there's two, two basic ways I make garlic mashed potatoes. First off, I just take potatoes, russet potatoes, mm -hmm. bring them to a boil, get them nice and soft, leave the skins on them. Okay. Drain off the water. As the potatoes are draining, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my pan and I'm going to put just a drop of oil in there and some fresh minced garlic and just lightly brown that up. Put some heavy cream in there, a little chef salt or just salt and pepper, mm -hmm. okay? Bring that to a boil and now take my potatoes, put them back in and whisk that around and no you're going way, to get a, no a nice, simple, anything from, depending on how much cream you're going to use is going to determine whether it's more of a potato puree mm -hmm. or if it's more of a mashed potato. If you want more of a mashed potato, less cream. If you want a potato puree, more cream. Okay. Same thing, but different method. Okay. Mm -hmm. Roblechon made those potatoes famous in France. And mm -hmm. it was just, it was a white potato cooked on the skins with a ton of butter. Hmm. And for about every, and I don't remember the exact recipe, but I want to say for every pound of potatoes, you had four pounds of butter. And he would incorporate this butter into this dish and it, the Robochon potatoes. So it just became very, very famous. Hmm. What I do is somewhat similar, but I'm going to take my garlic, I'm going to put it in my pan after I've drained my potatoes off, mm -hmm. put it in my pan, saute that garlic nice and brown, okay? 
put in my butter, and now just, again, take my potatoes, put them in, and whisk them in. If I want a real, real, real buttery characteristic, just keep adding butter to it. I mean, it just... And so it gets right where you want it. Boom. Yeah. It's just, it's so rich. Nice. It's so good. I love it's it. It's disgusting. I it's love it. One. It's <laughs> fantastic. So, okay, so we're looking at this dish. You've got this amazing lamb going. You've got uh, garlic mashed potatoes. I think mm-hmm. the ratatouille you've, you've got. I love that as, as, as a dinner. And I know that you have... Uh, favorite dessert you like to, to, to do with this too? If somebody has still got room for dessert <laughs> and they want something something a little bit sweet, what, what is your choice? Well, I'm a chocolate person. And, okay. And in, I, I don't know what year it was, 14, 15, 1600s, Saint-Tropez had a recipe. You called, look younger. You, yeah, I can't I know, believe you're talking 15, 1600s. It was called Gâteau au Chocolat and it was, it was, uh, it was a cake okay. that was invented there. Hmm. And it's almost like making a, a, a souffle in somewhat. Because mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're making your base out of your out of your butter and your chocolate and and water. Um, you're gonna you could use a touch of flour if you want to, um, but then you're gonna whip egg whites mm-hmm. and you're gonna incorporate all this thing together. Okay, mm-hmm. you're gonna take it, you're gonna bake it in an oven, and you're gonna bake it so it's still slightly jiggly in the mm-hmm. oven. You're gonna mm-hmm. pull it out and you're gonna put a plate on top of it and you're gonna steam it mm-hmm. so you never overcook it. Okay, mm. it is always moist, and it's one of the greatest cakes I've ever had in my That's life. Amazing. That's amazing. Now, now the actual recipe for that, you may not know in the top of your head, but maybe it's something that we could uh, share later on, on uh, Instagram or something. Yeah, actually, I do know it off the top of my head because I do make it all the time. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a cup of water. I'm going to put in a half a pound of butter, and I'm going to bring in... Now, I like to use the Trader Joe's Pound Plus Chocolate simply because it's easy to use. Go to Trader Joe's, pick up a, ha- a Pound Plus bar of the dark chocolate, break it up, Put it in. Okay, you're going to melt all that together. But well, let me ask you really quick because I've used that too. I think it's a Belgian chocolate. It's really, it is. It's really good for it's you know local good. store. Now there's a dark which is I think it's over seventy percent, yeah. like a super. You bitter. don't need that one. No, it's so the one in between. It's called bittersweet, right. not semi-sweet. Right. Bittersweet, and it's not that super rich. So make right. sure that that people listening will get the one that's more in the middle. Bittersweet. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's a, a fabulous chocolate to work with. And in fact, I'll tell you about our sauce in just a second because it's the easiest thing in the world. So anyway, you do that, and then you add in uh, about a cup of egg yolks, okay, okay to give it uh, some richness and some velvetness after the after it's all melted, okay. Um, you can put some flour in there if you want to. If you don't want to use flour and you want to make it gluten free, just uh, run some peanuts or some pecans or macadamia nuts or whatever your favorite nut is, mm-hmm. and put in some nuts in that just to give it a little bit of body mm-hmm. and flavor, mm-hmm. okay. okay? Another pan, you're going to whip your egg whites, okay? And you can use a touch of vanilla in it if you want also. Bring that all together, blend all those ingredients into one, and then put it into a springform pan. Stick it in an oven for about 20 minutes at about 350 degrees. Okay, you're going to have to watch it. Now, it's not like a souffle where you have to worry about opening up the oven. Mm -hmm. You can open up the oven, take the pan, jiggle it, and if it's not quite done to where you want it to be, put it back in and let it go. might take 20, 22 minutes, something like that. But as soon as you've got just a soft jiggle in the middle, pull that out, put the plate on top of it, let it steam for about 10 to 12 minutes, and boom, you're going to And that's out that. of the oven, right? That's so out of the oven, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And that holds the heat in, too, and with that the plate on in. top. Yep, and it steams the, the rest of the way, and it's just a fantastic Nice, cake. subtle finish. It sounds amazing. Now, to make the sauce, and this is one of my favorite things to do, okay. all you're going to do is you're going to take three and a half cups of water and bring it to a boil. Mm-hmm. While the water's coming to a boil, take one bar of the Trader Joe's milk chocolate, and one bar of the bittersweet chocolate. Break those in, turn your heat off, and just mix them in until you have a nice, smooth, 
consistency. That sounds amazing, but what, okay, now, so for one bar, do you mean one bar the whole? One each. One bar of the milk and one bar of the bittersweet. What is, but let's, de- let's define the bar. So, cause okay, they, it's they a pound plus up, bar. So the whole bar. Yeah, you use the whole thing. Oh, so that's two yeah. pounds. Two, a little, plus. about 2.2 pounds of, of chocolate. Okay, cool. Yeah. So about one a kilo, kilo total. Yeah, exactly. half and half. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Okay. And three and a half cups of water. Mm-hmm. Now, what that's going to give you when it cools down is kind of, if you take a, uh, a, uh, a spatula, you are going to be able to spread that across the plate, mm-hmm. and it's going to hold its consistency. Mm. Okay? okay? So it's kind of stiff. Mm-hmm. If you want to make it more like a Hershey's chocolate sauce, take a little water, incorporate that into it, and now you're going to smooth it out to make more of a sauce sauce. So you can use it for both things. You can either have a decorative slash across the plate, Mm -hmm. like using a paintbrush, Mm -hmm. or you can use it as an actual liquid sauce. That sounds amazing. And that cake with the cool sauce... Easiest mm-hmm. thing in the world to do. And but okay, so let's say that we it's springtime or uh-huh. summer. Let's throw some fruit on that plate to doll it up a little bit. Oh, maybe sure, bring yeah. out some flavor, some color, some flavor. Yeah. Which fruits is your go-to? Well, we that? always use like a little bit of mint leaf and some raspberries around okay. the outside because people just like chocolate and raspberry. You can use anything you want. I mean, if you want to put banana slices on there, you can use you know peeled grapes. It, it just depends on the time of the season and what you want to, to feature. I mean, white peaches are fantastic with chocolate. Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever is your fancy. Well, that sounds fancy enough to me. I love it. It's all fan- my fancy. No, it's, it's, it's fancy. so cool. Well, Rick, this is great. You know, you've shared some really, really insightful things on the on uh, cooking at home, and that's the key uh, for making this. Uh, you know, a wonderful meal plus throwing a really great dessert too. Um, so that I appreciate that a lot. And I want the people that are listening to know, you know, how to follow you. Uh, maybe give us some ideas on on uh, how they can find you. And uh, maybe talk about what you show them in the videos and or the book and the video because it's perfect for home cooks on developing their cooking skills at home. Probably the easiest thing to do is just Google my name, Rick Buford, B-O-U-F-F-O-R-D. You'll find I have... Well, I'm a little whacked because I am, I'm involved in so many different things. I have the Black Sheep Cooking Club thing on YouTube. I have a craft video called... I mean, a craft uh, section, rickanddiana.com on on YouTube. I have the Raven Diaries where I do my nature stuff on YouTube. Um, I have all kinds of different stuff. And I, we have a kind of a central site called justgoodfun.net. Mm-hmm. They can go and click on any of those little buttons there and that'll take them to our Vimeo channel where I have about 300 videos. Mm-hmm. About 280 of them are mm-hmm. on recipes. We just did our last trip to France where we take you through Dijon and through Provence and Champagne and show you our shopping that we got to do and the cooking that we got to do at the B&B, Airbnbs and stuff, and, mm-hmm. and just a great time. So you'll see we're very much into food. We're very much into travel. We're very much into fun. We're very much into community. Hmm. Amazing. Sounds great. Okay. Well, there's some good information for you all out there to follow Rick. I know I'll have him back. He's amazing. Rick, thank you. Thanks thank for coming you, by. My, look, my pleasure. Look forward to having you on again and seeing you again. Thank you. Take care. Look forward to it myself. If you have any thoughts or ideas that you'd like to see for recipes, write to me if you can on Facebook or, or also on Instagram and let me know what you think. For all of you listening out there, Chef Special is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check it out at Believe.com. And follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Patrick Honeywell. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.